Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. She's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not gonna shout now. Shout now, she's not gonna shout. So get your headphones ready to hear what it's all about now. When it's all about, we'll have no fun, no fun, 'cause your Christmas podcast comes out today. We'll have no fun, no fun, 'cause your Christmas podcast comes out today. Hi, everybody. It's No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 352. That's right. I changed the name of this podcast. If you're hearing this right now, you may not have heard the new theme song yet. I'm still transferring everything over. I'm in transition between comedy networks, so I'm sorry that things have been a little bit out of control lately and that you haven't seen a lot of new episodes but if you go over to my patreon you can get every single episode you've missed the video version i do about a half hour bonus in the video version that no one else can see so that's only for five dollars a month and then you get a bonus 20 minute episode every month with that five dollar bonus and you get i mean five dollars a month um and you get unreleased stand-up sets that i taped on the road a uh, ten dollar level is pretty good too you get uh, two bonus episodes Uh, two weekly 20-minute bonus episodes, and a 10, I mean a 10-hour, a one-hour bonus episode, as well as more and more stand-up. And then the prices go up from there. That gives you more and more bonuses. And some of the bonuses include merchandise. But let's just get into the podcast. I am chomping, champing. I am both champing and chomping at the bit. I have so much to talk about. And... You know, I got a lot of opinion. This is an opinion episode. We're going to talk about Jim Gaffigan. He's speaking out. And uh, Adam Carolla. He's, oh my God, is, why is he still talking? He's not even a comedian. He's a man with a mouth. Adam Carolla we'll talk about. We'll talk about this gender reveal party that caused 7,000 acres of damage in California. My entire state is on fire. And these people had to blow shit up 
to tell us if their baby had a dick or not. I'm sorry to place gender as that is the sex of their baby, but they are called gender reveal parties. And I'm sorry to place uh, sex as uh, you either have a dick or you don't. That's very male focused of me, but I thought it would be funny because the word dick is funny. It's a one syllable with a hard K. And then I'm going to talk about how a kid wrote an op-ed in the New York Times about how his dad took the internet away for a week. That's who we're giving op-eds to, a teenager who said it was hard. He said it was hard. And then we're going to celebrate a woman who died this week, one of the, you know, few remaining uh, survivors from, you know, with this whole generation of people that survived the Holocaust are dying out. And she and her sister killed Nazis in the woods when they were teenagers. But, you know, the internet for, without a week is hard. I'm sorry to be that person. I don't want to be the old lady who's like, kids today, but come on. And, you know, to balance that out, I'll make fun of Adam Carolla, who, again, is the ultimate kids today. Oh, that poor man. He is so afraid of men wearing bracelets. That's what he was tweeting about. Um, so that's what we're talking about this week on No Fun, The Jen a Kirkman a Podcast. So... Yeah, you know, I normally would announce my tour dates. Okay, I can let you guys in on a little secret. Save Lure Date. I am doing... Now, I have ostensibly quit stand-up. I'm sorry to tell everybody that, but for now... It's just not happening, and I will not be doing it on Zoom or any of these things. Uh, my next tour date is May 2021, and I probably will end up canceling it. Um, not sure where the career is shifting, but but the pandemic is changing things for me. It's making me not want to risk my life to go do tours and all the work that comes with it. But that's why I say join my Patreon. I'm trying to go just podcast only. And... But I am going to do my dysfunctional Christmas show this year because it's not quite stand-up, but it's all variety show sketches. I'll have music, you know, special guests. And it's to celebrate. I usually do it in Los Angeles every year, the first weekend of December. And it's called the dysfunctional Christmas show because it's both an ironic and non-ironic celebration of the holiday season. But we talk honestly with the audience about who feels broken, who's, you know, not looking forward to the new year with everything they didn't accomplish. It's a really good night where we all used to gather under one roof together at the Hollywood Improv. And I would do dark comedy sketches. People, I would have uh, guest stand-ups do like fucked up stories. And, uh, but there was a lot of love and we would usually do a sing-along at the end with, you know, an actual musician. And this year, the dysfunctional, Jen Kirkman dysfunctional Christmas show will be happening from my living room with me in it by myself during a global pandemic. It doesn't get more dysfunctional than that. Now, it will be over Zoom and there will be special guests. And uh, this is all out of my hands. A company is running it for me. So here's the deal McGill. Tickets will go on sale at the end of September. If you want to be one of the first to know about it, and, and at the end I'm doing a special meet and greet where I'm going to dress up like Santa and you can tell me what you want for Christmas. <laughs> There's going to be a cap, a limit on how many of those that I sell. So if you want to be one of the first, this thing costs money, people. I haven't worked all year. <laughs> but if you want to be one of the first, send an email to Jen Kirkman Christmas at Gmail and just send that email. Say, I want to be 
uh, want to get the email when it comes out, you'll get the email with how to get tickets. I am not running any of this, so I do not see your email, so don't pour your heart out to me because I won't see it. So there you go. Uh, save the lure date. It is going to be the first weekend in December. That's all I'll tell you. It's going to be on one of those nights. Well, I'll tell you now. Save the date. Friday, December 6th. I mean, Friday, December 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's it. That's your one shot. And if you want to get on the list anyway so that you can find out how to buy it after it comes out in case you can't be there at that time, get on this damn list, y'alls. Okay, so there you go. There's my promotion. And now I'm really just hoping that I can shut the fuck up and get into the episode. Which I will do right now. Okay, so... Let's just, I don't know, do we talk about the gender reveal party first? I think let's just, let's just get that out of the way. Um, so as everybody may or may not know, most of California is on fire. Uh, Los Angeles isn't getting it really right now. There's this place, um, you know, kind of the wealthier area near the Getty Center. Where, like, um, it's not the Hollywood Hills but it's uh, it's nowhere near the Hollywood Hills, actually. But it's it's hills, you know. It's it's gated communities. It's Brentwood. It's the West Side. They have the same fire sometimes now twice a year in that area. That one's not going on. What just happened is Pasadena caught on fire, which is about ten miles from me. I'm looking outside right now. The air quality is terrible. It is just smoky out there. And the fire's not going to come near me. I am on, like, surrounded by concrete here in the valley. But anyway, it's just a disaster. Every Everything everywhere is on fire. It was the hottest weekend in Los Angeles history. It was 100, this is Iraq weather, okay? 121 degrees in Woodland Hills, which is basically the valley. It's like 15 miles from Studio City, from Burbank. I mean, it's part of us it's not like oh well that's some way out there desert nope and then uh you know it was 112 where I lived yesterday now I'm lucky I have central air conditioning I didn't go outside I don't have pets you know but I'm not talking about me I'm talking about how terrifying this is and we're not supposed to well we're not supposed to start fires period (laughs) imagine that But we're not supposed to do anything that could start a fire. Say, flick a cigarette out of a window when you're driving by some brush, you know. And certainly I would think pyrotechnics outside, I mean, you don't do them inside either, but would be off the table. They should be off the table, period. But, you know, for a gender reveal party, which... Again, it's a sex reveal party. Gender is a concept. It's something different. Well, it's not a concept, but you know what I'm saying. The party is basically, does my kid have a pee-pee or a hoo-hoo? Why do we care if it's a boy or a girl? We don't. And no one, this is again, this is like Lori Loughlin with 
Well, let me just, my thoughts are everywhere. So here's what happened. Maybe if I just tell you guys the story, it will be easier than all the thoughts swirling in my head. I'm going to refer to Twitter and uh, the tweet that I quote tweeted. Law enforcement has determined the El Dorado fire burning near Oak Glen in San Bernardino County was caused by smoke, a smoke-generating pyrotechnic device used during a gender reveal party. The fire began at 10.23 a.m. on September 5th in the El Dorado Ranch Park. The fire spread from the park to the north. 7,000 acres were burned. Hundreds of families had to evacuate. So many teams of firefighters had to be diverted from fires they were already working on to handle this shit. So somebody went into the woods and started lighting shit off to reveal the gender of their fucking baby. And so I tweeted, I'll I'll take this opportunity every time to remind people that I don't have kids and that I don't care that I don't have kids. I never think about it, but that I am constantly told I'm selfish for not having kids. And I wrote a book about it. I can barely take care of myself. Tales from a Happy Life Without Kids. I hate that title. Simon & Schuster made me do that title because they said it would upset moms if I called it you'll change your mind. I said, but that's what they say to me. They'll probably think it's great. No, and then you have to not sound bitter. So we have to put tales from a happy life without kids. I'm like, so now I sound defensive. And now I'm, I sound like I'm saying my life is so good and not even thinking about it. I'm saying, people always say to me, you'll change your mind. I wanted to call it you'll change your mind and other dumb things people say to the child free. I, I can't believe they wouldn't let me call it that. I remember my editor, who's now no longer an editor. She quit being one. Now she's an author of very funny self-help books. She was like, I'm under my desk crying and taking Valium because the fucking head honchos at Simon & Schuster won't let you have the title you want. God, I fucking hate that title. I'd love to re-release it under a new title, but you can't do that. Or I can't do that. They won't let me do that. Um, So anyway, so whenever parents do something stupid, of course, it's my brand. I'm going to retweet the article and I put in all caps, and you say people without kids are the selfish ones? And all these people responded, why are you yelling? So they made a mistake. They made a mistake. They committed a fucking felony. You don't go in the woods during fire season and it's 115 degrees out. Not that temperature is anything to do with it, but it's the driest season. It's fucking, uh, what do you call that? The wind, the wind. Santa Ana wind season. <laughs> Here's grandma. The wind. What are the kids called the wind? Oh my God. They committed a felony. They should be in jail. They put lives at risk, homes at risk to reveal if their baby has a pee-pee or a hoo-hoo or a hee-hee or whatever we call vaginas that rhymes with pee-pee. My unborn baby has what's going to eventually develop to be fallopian tubes. Light it on fire. Nobody cares 
about your fucking baby except you. You know why? Because that's how nature fucking intended it. If I cared as much about your baby, that would mean there's some balance in the universe that's off. It would mean hormones aren't working correctly. You have hormones that bond you to your children so that you don't kill them. We're animals. We're stupid animals. We might accidentally eat and kill our own children if we don't have these hormones that tell us we love the children. That's why we divorce husbands and we divorce wives and why friendships break up because it's a different set of hormones that connect us to people that we didn't make from our hee-hees and our pee-pees. That's why. That's why you love your children. I know you might, I know it's also real love, but it's also hormones. What about the people that do kill their children? Well, they have mental illnesses that affect their hormones. So that's why. People, we're molecules. It's science. Just relax, okay? Here, look at this pillow. It proves it. Oh my God, folks. 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 So everyone, why are you mad? I'm like, I'm mad. And someone goes, I don't really see how you not having kids is connected to this story. Oh, you don't? Oh, you don't? Then unfollow me because you're a dumb fuck without critical thinking. I see how it connects because I connected it. Because that's my brand, for lack of a better word, to use a terrible word. I'll take any chance I get to rail against when parents make stupid decisions to prove that there is no such thing as parents equal good people, child-free people equal selfish. How much money have parents in my life given to charity this year? I've given over $10,000. Now, again, I didn't just take it out of my savings account. I sold merchandise and gave it away. I donated earnings from this. I blah, blah, blah. But if I had kids, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd have to take care of my kids. So it's not like you're selfish for not having money to do both, but you made a choice. I want to make a person and raise them. And so I don't have a person to raise. So I would like to, if I have any extra money, help other people. Now, why, why isn't that equal? Why isn't that equal? Why isn't that equal? It is to most normal people, but there's a lot of assholes out there that think being a mother is a martyr. That's a different M word. And the reason I feel so free to speak about this is because my mother had three children and she never even dreamt to sit around making career dreams of hers a reality because you just didn't do that as a woman in her day. And did she ever fucking martyr herself? No. No. She wasn't on mommy blog groups. She wasn't searching Twitter for child-free women to go, well, you don't understand. She doesn't give a... F- what? She's not insane, you see. She doesn't have a narcissism that, that we've all been, you know, prey to, to getting because we're all online. And, you know, I'm, I'm obvi- obviously, I have it too. But to take that extra step, you're... I'm a mother, so so get off Twitter, you f- you fucking weirdo. Get off Twitter and go watch your kid. They're probably on the. They're probably putting a, p- a plastic bag over their head. <laughs> I mean, so anyway, a lot of people did not get why I tried to make that correlation. I'm like, cause I'm here to sell books. I'm on Twitter to sell my products. That's why I will turn anything into buy my book, listen to my podcast. When the post office, well, I mean, it's still going on, but with all this shit going on with the post office, I found an old episode of my podcast and I tweeted, I love the post office and I talked about it two years ago on my podcast, join my Patreon, everything. 
I'm on a free site giving away my work for free, being told that that's how I can get more people to like what I do. And that is, we've been sold a fucking lie. All the people that follow me are, are people that don't know what I do, are sitting there waiting to jump and argue because people don't know how to handle their anxiety. Speaking of which, please come take one of my relaxation classes. I got the loveliest emails from people yesterday. This one woman was like, I didn't want to take your class, but I decided to do it and it changed the course of my day. Somebody else said that they felt like they couldn't breathe at the beginning of class and they were so anxious. And then I talked about exactly what they were going through and they stayed through. Nothing makes me happier. So go to um, jenkirkman.com, click um, the link says Anxiety Bites. And you can do that. Or if you go to the website buymeacoffee.com and search for Jen Kirkman, the classes come up under that. But again, jenkirkman.com, click Anxiety Bites. Or if you go to my Twitter pages at Jen Kirkman or my Instagram page at Jen Kirkman and go to the link in the bio, it's also there as well. And 15% of all profits that I make off classes go to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. I think we've donated about $1,000 so far to them. And I'll be making another donation at the end of the month. So there you go. And if you don't want to take an anxiety class, you can just fucking give me money. You can just buy me a coffee and say, thanks for doing the anxiety newsletter. Thanks for writing the 53-page anxiety uh, email tips PDF. And if you want a copy of that, please send a request to anxietybitesweekly at gmail.com and I will send you a free 53-page PDF of all kinds of things to read and download and go down rabbit holes and watch and listen to about anxiety and, and all the different things you can do about it. It's my biggest triumph in life. So these fucks had a gender reveal party and I, so then I tweeted, what's their address? I've got free time and nothing to lose. I wrote that as a joke over a friend of mine who tweeted about this and someone wrote, oh great, now you're doxing them. I'm like, no, I'm not. I didn't act. And I get their address, you freak. I made a joke about, I mean, this internet, this, uh, I look outside and it's 120 degrees and, 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 and the, the, the sky is on fire. And I go, that looks nicer than in, in the internet. That looks actually, that looks better. That looks, I'd like to go out there. Hi. You should calm down. Well, it's a little bit performative, people. You don't want me going, well, I was on the internet today. Well, somebody had a gender reveal party, you know, but I just want to get back to this gender reveal. Literally, guys, no one cares about your fucking baby. We love you. So we're glad that you're doing a thing you love. But the in society, the only things that are celebrated, and again, this notion is nothing new. Go watch Sex in the City season six, season six, a woman's right to shoes. I mean, come on, people. This is, this is not old. This is not new. I'm saying old shit here, but it, it hasn't changed at all. The only things we celebrate, besides birthdays and holidays, are people having a baby, people getting married. People having a baby, people getting married. Buy me this. I'm having a baby. You buy it. You have the money to have a baby. Fuck. One of the reasons I don't have a baby is because I don't want to spend the money. I mean, I also really don't want kids. If I really wanted them, I'd figure out a way. But, you know, just to be pithy, some people can't afford to have a baby, but they're going to buy you a bassinet. You buy it. You buy it and take pictures and have a party and show us all the things you bought. Then we'll come over. My friend, who is also my manager, just had a baby and she was going to have something 
had there not been a pandemic, called a sip and see. I mean, the name's annoying, but she didn't make it up. But it's kind of cute. You have a baby, and then you show the baby to friends who come over, and you have drinks. You give people alcohol. That's all we want. Give us alcohol, and we'll come over. And it's right in the title, Sip and See. You know, it's not like a baby shower where you sit through presents and you're like, when's the alcohol? Like it's the alcohol is the point of the sip. And it even comes before the sea. It's like drink and there's a kid. I like that. And I'm not even like party hardy. But, you know, I mean, I am. Listen, behind the scenes, I'm a little party hardy. I'm going to be honest. I just don't want it to be my thing. So I try to, you know, keep it down a little bit. But uh, hand me some wine. I'm going to see that baby. And I like babies. I actually love babies. I see, it's the same way I feel about cats. I'm just like, show me a picture of your baby. Then once they hit one, I don't like them again until they're um, maybe like 12. Oh, 12 is such a precious age. Ugh. Ugh, I can tear up thinking about it. I just want all the 12-year-olds to be okay. What a terrible age. <laughs> what a hard age. Ugh. I do see I do actually like kids y'all because I was one you know and as you get older and more okay in your own skin you look at people 30 years younger than you 35 years younger than you and you go oh god are they okay I don't even remember anymore cognitively what it was like I just have these feelings that I carry around inside my soul from having been that age and they're not great are these people is anyone looking after these people these little people are they okay I can't oh my god hello you know but but I'm not like obsessed with the gender of your child you know I'm really not the only kid whose gender I was obsessed with is Shiloh Jolie Pitt because she came out of that womb and the minute she could talk and dress herself she said my name is Joe and started wearing suits and I was like I'm here for this let's see what's going on with Shiloh who may or may not be uh you know she may be non-binary non-binary I don't know what she's doing but I was like that's interesting but your baby that isn't even out yet there was an x-ray and there's a little dinky Okay, so we're celebrating an unborn child's penis? Is that what we're doing? Because that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. I can't believe so many people are anti-abortion, which is simply a medical procedure to keep an embryo from growing into a fetus. But no one thinks it's weird that we're celebrating the genitalia of fully developed fetuses. That's okay with everyone? That's normal? Okay. Okay, no, I'm just, at, listen, I'm just trying to get the lay of the land here because I don't really involve myself much with baby stuff. But I'm just, no, I'm just wondering. No one's going to hold up signs and protest. Why are we focused on the genitalia of unborn fetuses? That's fine. Okay, cool. We'll have a party about it. Oh, okay. I just think it's another one of those, you know, no one is actually even celebrating because they're going to be happy either way. It's not like, look, if there were two sexes out there, one was called everything's great and the other sex was called your baby's going to end up a murderer psycho. Well, they're kind of are. I'm kidding. But... Let's say there were two sexes 
and one was preferable and the other one was like oh shit I, maybe you could have a party about it and be like, we got the gender that doesn't mean our life will be a living hell. And everyone's like, woo. Or one gender means your kid dies after a month or something. You know what I mean? Then you'd have a problem. She's going to live. She came out the, this gender. I understand why finding out the sex of your baby is interesting because you are one of the two sexes. And you will project things. Oh, it's a boy. We're going to play baseball. Oh, it's a girl. She's going to come with me and do, you know, I'm a teacher about her period, whatever. I get in general-ish, and I get that it's the next step towards this becoming really real. It's not just this ultrasound that you can't really tell what it is. It's not just this protruding belly. It's not just a concept. Oh, it's a boy. Like, there's a person here. Okay, we're naming him Fred. Like, I get it. But that is so private. You don't have to get a party. Especially, did you have a fucking baby shower, you selfish assholes? It's all about, this is why I was saying Lori Laughlin earlier. It's all about keeping up with the Joneses. It's, oh, our neighbors had this. We're going to out. They had a gender reveal party where when you bit into a cupcake, you bit into um, a squishy jelly candy baby boy or a squishy jelly candy baby girl. It was really weird. Most people ate theirs and then we still didn't know what the gender was. But this, th- but we're going to blow up something and it's going to write in the sky, boy or girl. That has nothing to do with the baby. It has nothing to do with the baby. It is only about you showing off to your friends. You are wasting so much money. You could have taken that money and said, we just found out our baby is a boy. So in lieu of a gender reveal party, we're going to send to the Boys Club of America for kids without parents or whatever. But no, you had to blow shit up in the park so that you could seem what, I don't know what, wealthy to your friends, interesting, more fun. You want people to talk about how great your party was? Well, they're talking. I know about your party and I don't even know where the fuck any this is that, that this happened. And you did it when there, there was a, we've been on fire for weeks here in California. You did, it was already on fire and you're going, oh, let's blow something up in the woods. It's illegal. It's also who's, come on over. It's 115 outside. We're going to the desert woods. I don't know. And the stress and trauma of what you just caused is now living in your body where the fucking baby is. But anyway, was it a boy or girl? Let me know. Fun! Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Oh, God, you guys. You guys, you guys, you guys, everything's crazy out there. I got an email from someone. Now, these QAnon freaks, you know... I'm not going to get into it on the podcast because it doesn't, 
I don't feel like talking about it today. How's that? Maybe another time. But short story, short version. This is one facet of QAnon loves Ricky Gervais because they believe that Hollywood is a pedophile ring. Now, granted, there there has been pedophilia, uh, but guess where else there's been pedophilia? All over the fucking world! Because that's what people in power in any area seem to be fucking obsessed with. So there's this bizarre notion that Tom Hanks eats babies. I, I can't, I, my head explodes thinking about it. And so they love Ricky Gervais because he was spending his Golden Globe speech telling off celebrities and calling them hypocrites. Now, I went on this very podcast, went down a rabbit hole rant of how I didn't think his stand-up was edgy on that performance. And I was on David Spade's former show, Rest in Peace, Lights Out, last January. And I said... And I made it very tame because I didn't want to, like, make Spade have to deal with me, like, shitting on Gervais. You know, you don't want it, like, coming back to him when he's just like, okay. So I just said, uh, I didn't think it was that edgy of Ricky Gervais to drink a beer like he's an open mic comic. It was just like a joke between comics. He laughed. Because I think I'd said it to him backstage. He was like, oh, say that on the air. But I actually like Ricky Gervais. I'm a huge fan. And most recently, I really loved um, the show Afterlife. And I I loved it. I was was charmed. And and I watched both seasons like in two days. And then I read all these reviews and some of them were like, oh, it's just like, you know, like trying too hard and it's trying to be, you know, overly emotional and sappy. And I was like, I don't know, like when I like something, my kind of my critic brain goes off and I'm like, I yeah, I can see where you're making a valid point, I guess. Like that's one way to look at it. But I was like, I think he's just like a dude who's like trying to explore his feelings of. What I really liked about Afterlife is we all know Ricky Gervais is an atheist and I think he presents his atheism in kind of a trite, overdone way. Um that uses the same tropes of accusing religious people of believing in a man in the sky and not realizing that atheism and true faith are kind of the same thing. I won't get into it on this episode, but atheists and people who have a spiritual life have so much in common. But usually the atheists just want to shut it, shut the conversation down and accuse you of things. So there, okay, it's an, it gets annoying, right? That's all I say about Ricky Gervais. And I just don't, he's not a stand-up. Like he just started doing stand-up after he was famous. And he, he's like, likes to poke at things. But I just, I went, I already went on this rant. But I loved Afterlife. And I, and I thought, you know, what I, what I was, didn't want to watch it for was I didn't want to hear a bunch of things like, there is no God. Like, not because I can't handle it. Like, yeah, I don't actually think there's one either, but I'm not an atheist. Um, I loved the show because it wasn't that. It was it was cool. I thought it was interesting. So there you go. And uh, I don't hate Ricky Gervais at all. I just don't really buy him as a stand-up and I don't think these Golden Globe things are all that edgy. Anyway, but he's become like embraced by like the alt-right and QAnon. So this person wrote me 
nine months after I appeared. So QAnon, the Q doesn't stand for quick. I list, Also, it's completely like a Russian bot. I listened to you on David Spade, Golden Globe 2020. I have never heard of you, BTW, but that doesn't hurt my feelings. I don't care who's heard of me. I care who pays me. About Ricky Gervais. Are you serious? Oh my God, I cannot say the thing I want to say. Why? It's a private email. <laughs> but you know what? You will never even rich up to Ricky Gervais' big toe. So they're trying to say you'll never even live up. But there's some translation problems. You are so small. Thank you. I've been dieting. I've actually gained weight on Weight Watchers. Yeah, I know. I'm having a really hard time. I'm, I hate my body right now. So thanks for calling me small. He is so beyond all of you nasty people. Hollywood shit emoji. <laughs> yes, Hollywood. The town called Hollywood. No, it's not, an ide- it's not an ideology. And it's not a group of people. It's a town. Pretty smelly. And no, nothing showbiz happens there except, I think, um, lots of production warehouses. Everything is coming out now. Hashtag save the children. Okay, there you go. Well, you found me. You found me. So again, I know I've mentioned that I have a Patreon. And one of the levels is the $35 level. And then that level, you don't get any merchandise. Just hear me out. But you get five bonuses a month and you get a special shout out from me where I tell a story about how you're my best friend and how we met. Now, I hate that I have to say this, but these are made up stories. But today I would like to talk about Patreon subscriber and one of my best friends, Penelope Vess. Oh my God, girl. Thank you so much. I can't, I mean, we're best friends. So it's like, you don't have to pay $35 a month to listen to me, but you are and I love you for it. So it's interesting. Uh, Penelope and I met in. Um, I feel like I shouldn't talk about it, but because it's supposed to be secret. But we are in the CIA together. I know I did an episode saying I'd love to be a spy. It's because there's this thing inside of me where I'm like blurting out what's true, and being like, oh yeah, wish I was a spy, but I'm totally not. I just got my clearance a week ago from the CIA to say that I'd been in them since I was 16. And that's where I met Penelope. We've been friends since we were teenagers. Sorry to tell everyone your age, Penelope, but this is how we met. So I'm working at, I had two jobs in high school. I was a cashier at Roach Brothers and I also, that's a grocery store, and I also worked at Baskin Robbins the ice cream store. So when being a cashier became too much, I thought everyone was stupid. You're taking too long to write your check. Oh, that's right. There were no ATM cards. People paid in cash or check. And then they'd be like, carry the one and then they sign this. I was like, come on. So I decided to move it on over to Baskin Robbins cash only because that's all we had. ATM cards weren't invented yet. And neither were ATMs. So, I mean, there were credit cards, but no one paid. You didn't use your, the credit card was like, whoa, you must be rich. Like you use that for like, you know, you go to the mall proper and buy hundreds of dollars worth of clothing or something and put on your credit card. Or I don't know. I mean, not kids didn't do that, but like, that's what, that's what I pictured adults were doing. Anyway, I'm at Baskin Robbins. 
Jill comes in one day. And I noticed her because it was December and she's wearing sunglasses. Now, December was obviously one of our quietest times for walk-ins. But we did a lot of um, ice cream cakes for, you know, the holidays and parties and stuff. But she comes in in sunglasses on and a trench coat. I go, this woman looks like she's in the CIA. That's what I said to the guy I worked with. And she goes, psst. She goes, I am. And I go, you're really on the nose here. Like, I don't know if you're trying to not look like you're in the CIA because it's not working. And she was like, oh, well, I'm kind of new at it, but I'm here to recruit you. And I go, recruit me? And she's like, we've been watching you for a while. The way that you dealt with those customers at Roach Brothers, you know, it just showed that you have patience. I go, but I don't. I quit to come work here. She goes, yeah, but then you came and worked at Baskin Robbins and from scooping ice cream, you got this incredible right arm muscle. So you, you could punch people if you needed to get away. So anyway, Penelope and I sat down. There were no customers. She told me her life story that her parents had thrown a gender reveal party for her in the 70s and they accidentally um, drowned in a boating incident because that, that, that was how they were going to reveal her gender. Um was they were going to launch fireworks off a boat and instead they launched it the wrong way. They blew up the boat. They died. Um, but she survived. Uh, I know that doesn't make any sense how her mother died, but she survived. But it's a mystery. I can't talk about it. So Penelope was orphaned and she swam ashore. I know this sounds crazy, that's why she doesn't like to talk about it a lot because people are always like, that can't be true. And she lived on an island for a while. And, you know, she was looked after by the animals. And uh, she just grew really strong. And so this plane crashed on the island. And it was an official government plane. And, you know, they were t they were testing aliens. It was all kinds of things going on. And they asked her to stay quiet. And she was like, well, what's in it for me if I stay quiet? And they made her like a huge CIA member. And so she's got all the secrets. I mean, if you want to know what's going on, this is your woman. So, but I'm sworn to secrecy. So anyway, she recruited, so she just had this really interesting life. Then she went to college in Sweden for a while and, you know, did the usual stuff that kids do. And uh, we, we lost touch during that. But then we got back on it in, the, in my 20s. She moved to New York City and I was doing stand-up as a cover for being in the CIA. And uh, oh, we just had the best time. So... Yeah, she's one of my favorite people. Right now, she's working on something top secret, but she said I could talk about it because she's like, I don't think that many people listen to your podcast. I was like, probably not. So what she's working on is they're following Elon Musk, and they're pretty sure um, that he's a lizard person. So once that is revealed, it may take down. If you guys have stock in Tesla, like I don't know if this is going to make its stock go up or go down, but just keep your eye on it. And... Um, and that Mark Zuckerberg is actually from, is is actually an alien, and uh, and they're working together to infiltrate and and take over the world. But again, you know, she's not saying it's bad or good. She's just saying like that's what they're doing, and she's uh, been researching if they're good or bad people. One of the things she does is she goes through Mark Zuckerberg's um, saved movies on Hulu, and she sees what he has saved to watch versus what he actually watches. So he's got a lot of documentaries about jazz on his list, but he's just been watching 90 Day Fiance. And so that, that Penelope puts that all together and somehow makes a profile of someone. It's so interesting. But um, the reason I was kicked out of the CIA 
is that I was a comedian at first as a cover and then I fell in love with comedy and forgot I was in the CIA and they were like trying to contact me and I just like wasn't a good employee, but she stayed my friend throughout all of it. And so I'm just so grateful to Penelope. Um, she lives in an undisclosed location in the desert in New Mexico and she says she listens to my podcast um, actually through a chip that's been implanted in her head by Mark Zuckerberg. So I don't know. It's pretty wild out there. I've got some real crazy connections. But thank you, Penelope, for being a Patreon subscriber. And y'all can be one, too, at patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Now let's go into the show. Uh, I really want to reheat my coffee, y'all. And I think I'm going to take my... I'm going to take... I'm going to go reheat it. For the Patreons watching... Apologies. Um, you know what? Maybe I'll play some intermission music and you can enjoy that. And then, uh, you know, you'll see what happens. I'll be right back. Okay, everybody. So <laughs> if you're a member of my Patreon, you can see the video of me just getting up from my desk to go into my kitchen and reheat my coffee and I'm just playing them um, a song by this woman named Julie London it's called we'll be together again <laughs> and so they're just right now staring at a picture of um, my podcast setup and they're listening to a song that's like no tears and no fears we'll be together again <laughs> Oh, the silliness, the silliness of this unprofessional podcast that I do from my home that I love doing and I love all of you and I'm so glad you're listening and I'm really just vamping right now as I reheat my coffee. Uh, how are you guys doing? You want to take a pee break? Um, you know, you don't even have to pause this. You can just pee and then come back and I'll probably, I'll probably just still be vamping. I it's taking way too long to heat up my coffee. I still have not found a suitable, portable way to heat it up. You know those little plates you can put your coffee on? Those never work. They like barely heat up the bottom of the cup. Okay, so I'm going to take my coffee back into the room. And we'll see what's going on in here. Okay, I'm back, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, everybody. I just had a little talk. Hey, listen, Patreons, I do release the audio version of this as well, so you can hear what I said. I was just vamping, though. It was, I was just describing to them what was going on in here. So, all right, so this week's topics, 44 minutes in, when my dad turned off the internet on the New York Times, a 16-year-old in the New York Times, by Zoya Aziz. I'm 16. When my parents were my age, they didn't have the internet and they didn't have a pandemic. Okay, you know what? First of all, no, Gen X did not have a pandemic, but there have been pandemics before there was fucking electricity, before there was television. Relax, honey. Relax, honey, baby, sweetie. Oh, my God. You guys, I'm really sorry. I know I sound like an old person, but the Internet, we've all got to admit, 
It has fucking ruined us. And it's also been amazing. It's also been amazing. Um... Okay. It's also been amazing. Sorry, I was just lost in thought there for a minute. But uh, but I can admit where it's ruined me. And so I'm really tired of younger people going, it didn't affect us at all. Well, you don't know what it did because you always had it. But there's a lot of people that don't have the same kind of fucking... Ugh, let me just read. I mean... The kid ends up, I don't know if it's a boy or girl. The kid ends up being like, I guess it was cool. The pandemic tension in my house reached its peak this summer. The night my dad switched off the Wi-Fi. He claimed that you spend too much time on your phones and not enough time with the family. I never had the internet when I was your age. We used to play on the streets. With all due respect, when he was my age, 16, it was the 1980s and the world was not in the middle of a pandemic. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? You can't talk to your family because there's a pandemic. You have to be on your phone. Oh my God. When I was 16, I was reading Dostoevsky in my room. I was taking ballet lessons. I was taking piano. Okay, so you can't do the ballet and the piano. But I played the piano so I could at home go practice. I could ride my bike. I could run around. I, I did so many things alone in my room. It was the 1980s. What is that even? Dad is just saying what many parents say because they are unsettled by how much time my generation spends online. But teenagers are wired to be social, and right now the internet is one of the few places we can safely socialize. You can talk on the phone. You don't have to be on the internet. I was wired to be social as a teenager, too. And when there were times I didn't get to be social, whether it was because of a curfew or I was sick or friends of mine went to summer camp and I didn't, there's telephones. You can write letters. You can make a tape, like a mixtape. Like, you can make a mixtape, is what I'm telling the kids. Later that evening, I sneaked downstairs with my eight-year-old brother to switch the router back on, but it was being heavily guarded in our dad's study where he was working. The next day, I awoke early and immediately checked to see if we were back online. No, we weren't. In fact, the whole box was gone. My dad had taken it to work with him that morning. I was speechless. Who turns off the internet? Uh, someone who doesn't need it? Apparently, quite a lot of you, a search of Twitter told me later, once I had internet access again. But in the moment, we refused to accept defeat. At first, we were in denial and could not believe that the box was not in the house. We searched under the beds, behind the TV, and even in the bathroom. There was no sign of it. In ordinary circumstances, when a pandemic was not raging across the world and schools were all open, this could have been more bearable, perhaps. Oh, it wouldn't have been. And don't fucking kid yourself that this is because of a pandemic. You're addicted to the goddamn internet because you never learned a different way. And now you have an opportunity and you're not taking it. That's not the spirit of a teenager. But in lockdown, no school and all events canceled in Bristol, England, where we live. Oh, okay. You know what? <laughs> I didn't realize this was Bristol. <laughs> you need the internet. Um, it seemed as if my connection to the outside world had been severed abruptly. You don't have a television? I mean, what is... The time felt infinite. When I'm watching Netflix, time's seems to accelerate and before I know it the hours have flown by but with the internet gone time became my worst enemy How about meditation thinking your own thoughts reading a book I looked elsewhere for inspiration my dad said that as a child he had played on the streets all day 
is this person from another planet? I took out my bike for a ride. It was hot and none of my friends were around. So I went back inside. I used to ride my bike to the fucking cemetery and listen to the Smiths on my Walkman and read Oscar Wilde. That would kill about three hours. I realized just how reliant I was on technology. Thank you. A little self-awareness. I'd been using my phone or laptop for reading, watching movies, playing games, and talking to friends. Without the internet, I could barely do anything that I normally would do in a day. That's not good. And the same goes for too much TV and too much everything else. At first, I was angry as my dad had taken away my only level of connection to the outside world. I had a Zoom meeting with my friends later that day, which I knew I would not be able to attend. I worried that my friends would think I was ignoring them, but I was later able to explain what had happened, much to their amusement. To make matters worse, my cell phone data had run out just before the internet was switched off. I wasn't allowed to have my own phone. I couldn't even have my own phone in my bedroom. You could, you know, you could get a separate phone number back in the day on your landline. I wasn't even allowed to have the, the, the phone number that my family had. We weren't allowed to... I wasn't allowed to have a phone in my room of my own family's phone number. And secondly, wasn't able to get my own phone. Okay. Breathe, Jen, breathe. Breathe. So I tried to connect to the neighbor's Wi-Fi, but it was password protected. What kind of asshole are you? You're going to slow down their Wi-Fi and steal it? I tried to connect to my neighbor's Wi-Fi. I tried to steal it. After a few aimless hours, I started reading actual books. It was better than I had anticipated. Why isn't this child ashamed of this? Admitting. Fortunately, I have many books. When dad came home that evening, the router was not with him. Though my dad's parenting stance was rather authoritarian. No, no. No, no. Not authoritarian. Authoritative. He pays for it. Do you pay? What do you pay for? And this is where I know I sound like an old person, but I... Let me tell you something about my parents. My parents never paid me to have an allowance. My parents never gave me an allowance. All my friends, or a lot of people at school, they would get money to do chores. And my mother said, I'm not getting paid to do the dishes, so why should you? If you want, she goes, I got this. This is what I do. I do the dishes, I do the cooking, I do the cleaning. This is, I've done this the whole time. So I'm going to keep doing it because I got a way that I like to do it. If you want to learn how I do it and join me and hang, do it. Come on over. And we'll do this together because you should know how to do this stuff. And I'd like to spend some time with you. So my mom and I would wash the dishes and dry them every night. And we would listen to Oldies 103. And that's how I know all the music I do. Or we'd play Beatles records or Elvis. We'd talk. You know. My dad would take me out on the golf course and outdoors to do his choresy things. And so my mom was like, look, if you need money to go to the movies, five bucks or whatever it used to be, or you want to buy something, ask me and I will give you the money because you're a child with no money. And that's what I'm supposed to do is allow my child to go see a movie with her friends or go down the street with her best friend, Shauna, and get an ice cream. I'll give you three bucks for that. Sure. But you don't have to do chores to earn it because you should just be doing the chores. So we don't do that kind of thing in our house. And then when you're older, if you want to buy stupid shit that we don't think is worth it, like you want to buy $95 combat boots and you get a job. So I did. I got a job. I had two jobs. Three, actually. I'd babysit on Friday, Saturday nights. I'd work at the grocery store a couple days after school and on weekends. 
then I transitioned into Baskin Robbins. But I always had two jobs, plus piano lessons, dance lessons, after school um, play rehearsal. I, I was in the recycling club. I was in a band with, I was busy. I had shit to do. None of that required the internet. None of it. None of it. Now, again, there wasn't a pandemic, so I get that all the things I listed you can't do during a pandemic, but had there been one, I wouldn't be like, would someone invent the internet already? You know? But if you want Wi-Fi and you live under your parents' roof and they're paying for things, they get to, that's not, that's not authoritarian. That's authority. It's a fucking difference. And you've been lucky your whole life to have this. My brothers and I were spending far too much time hiding away in our rooms as if we were self-isolating from the family. We had always done that to some extent, but far more so in lockdown. In the absence of technology, we went for walks, baked cakes, and cycled together. My mom taught me how to cook some of my favorite meals from recipes handed down from my grandmother. But when it came to baking, we had a few disasters. The one upside was that it gave my family something to laugh about together, which helped us appreciate each other. So I'm really glad that this kid got to hear. And then after one week without any big announcement, my dad switched the internet back on. I didn't go immediately running upstairs to check my phone. The brief time without the internet changed me. I realized that I wasn't really missing as much as I thought I was. Despite the lessons I learned from this experience, a part of me wishes that my dad had taken a different approach in encouraging us to spend more time as a family. He did! You weren't listening! He made the decision unilaterally. Stop acting like your dad is Kim Jong-un! Kim Jong-un, you fucking twat. Before asking us kids why we spent so much time cooped up in our rooms, you wouldn't have had the conversation. He had to take that measure to show you. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving me the urge for children. I can't handle these people. I can't. <laughs> I can't even. Okay, so good. She's glad she has the internet back. She learned something, but not a lot. She's still hanging out with her family, not as much as she is online. Okay, great. Well, good luck to you people. I mean, I don't fucking know. Okay, so Freddie Overstegen. Overstegen. Sorry, Freddie. Has passed on. I think she was 85. This is what Freddie did when she was a teenager. Freddie and Truis Overstegen sometimes ambushed Nazi officers from their bicycles and never revealed how many they had assassinated. So you got one kid here, is a, a pandemic at age 16, who can't ride her bike because it's too hot outside. Now this bitch, 14, gets on a bike, ambushes a Nazi officer, assassinates them in the woods. You see... We have Nazis. We've got plenty of them. They're still around. Go find one and assassinate a Nazi in the woods if you're so fucking bored without the internet. I can't think of anything to do on my bike. Well, let's look at the news. Where has there been a neo-Nazi rally lately? Ride around there, get them to come outside, and assassinate them in the woods. Be home for dinner. So, Freddie Overstegen, I'm sorry I'm saying her name wrong, was only 14 
when she joined the Dutch resistance during World War II and only a couple of years older when she became one of its armed assassins. Together with her sister and later a young woman named Hanny Shaft, the trio allured, ambushed, and killed German Nazis and their Dutch collaborators. Freddie and her sister Truis, who was only two years older, they grew up in the city of Harlem, H-A-A-R-L-E-M. Yes, that is where Harlem, New York is named after, with a single working class mother. Their mother considered herself a communist and taught her daughters the importance of fighting injustice. When Europe was on the brink of war in 1939, she took Jewish refugees into their home. Through their mother's example, Freddie and Truist learned that if you have to help somebody like refugees, you have to make sacrifices for yourself. Uh, says someone, chair of the National Hanny Shaft Foundation. I think that was one of the main drivers for them, the high moral principle and preparedness of their mother to act when it really matters. Then, in May 1940, Nazis invaded the Netherlands, becoming an occupation that lasted until the end of the war. In response, the girls joined their mother in distributing anti-Nazi newspapers and pamphlets for the resistance. Which may seem like nothing to you guys, but if you knew you could get shot in the street point blank if you were caught. There was no like, hey girls, we're going to take these pamphlets away from you. Oh, the girls have the pamphlets! Okay, girls, go ahead. We're going to take the pamphlets from you. No. Shot in the face in the street. They were risking their lives. And they went a step further. But there wasn't a pandemic. We have it the worst. We also glued warnings across German posters in the street, calling men to work in Germany, Freddie later recalled in interviews she and her sister did with anthropologist Ellis Junker, collected in the book Under Fire, Women in World War II. I tried to find that book. It is out of the print, but I will try to keep finding it. And then we'd hurry off on our bikes. I just love the correlation between the bike and the last article. <laughs> uh. I am turning into the old person that's like, in World War II. Well, were you in World War II, Jen? No. But I had fun listening to Nirvana in my room. Imagine not being a teenager when Nirvana came out. <gasps> These acts weren't just subversive, they were also dangerous. If the Nazis or Dutch police caught the sisters, they might have killed them. However, the fact that they were both young girls and Freddie looked even younger when she wore braids meant that the officials were less likely to suspect them of working for the resistance. This might be one of the reasons why, in 1941, a commander with the Harlem Resistance Group visited their house to ask their mother if he could recruit Freddie and Truis. Their mother consented, and the sisters agreed to join. Only late... Imagine that! My dad turned off the internet without telling me. Well, what if he fucking told, <laughs> sold you into the resistance? Not sold you, but... Sure, they're not doing anything. Take them to be resistance uh, soldiers. The mother consented and the sisters agreed to join. Only later did he tell us what we'd actually have to do. Sabotage bridges and railway lines. Teenagers. And learn to shoot, to shoot Nazis. I remember my sister saying, well, that's something I've never done before. You see? The difference is the difference. The internet is destroying us, except for my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Okay. In at least one instance, Truist 
truest seduced ugh, an SS officer. So that means an SS officer was attracted to a child. Well, of course, they're psychotic people. Into the woods so that someone from the resistance could shoot him. I love this story. Tell me more. As the commander who recruited them had said, Freddy and Truist learned to shoot Nazis too. And the sisters began to go on assassination missions by themselves. Later on, they focused on killing Dutch collaborators who arrested or endangered Jewish refugees and resistance members. They were unusual, these girls, says Bas von Bende Beckman, a former researcher at the Netherlands Institute for War, Holocaust, and Genocide Studies. There were a lot of women involved in the resistance in the Netherlands, but not so much in the way these girls were. There are not that many examples of women who actually shot collaborators themselves. I mean, they weren't even just shooting Nazis. They were shooting people, Dutch people, their own people that were helping Nazis. Like, that's next level. On these missions, Freddie rest in peace, was especially good at following a target or keeping a lookout during missions since she looked so young and unsuspecting. Both sisters shot to kill, but they never revealed how many Nazis and Dutch collaborators they assassinated. According to P Pilister, Freddie would tell people who asked that she and her sister were soldiers and soldiers don't say. Consequently, we don't have too many details about their liquidations, as they called them, but Ben de Beckman says they sometimes would follow a target to his house to kill him or ambush him on their bikes. Again, fun things to do on your bike. The other duties in the Harlem Resistance Group included bringing Jewish refugees to a new hiding place, working in the emergency hospital in Enshed, en en sorry, and blowing up the railway line uh, between Ijmuden and Harlem. In 1943, they joined forces with another young woman, Hanny Shaft. Hanny was a former university student who dropped out because she refused to sign a pledge of loyalty to Germany. Together, the three young women forged, formed a sabotage and assassination cell. Hanny became their best friend, and the sisters were devastated when Nazis arrested and killed her in 1945 just three weeks before the war ended in Europe. Oh, so close. According to Lore, Hanny's last words were, I'm a better shot after initially only being wounded by her executioner. You fucking badass. You fucking badass. I do not have that badassery in my bones. After the war, the sisters dealt with the trauma of killing people and losing their best friend. Truist created sculptures and later spoke and wrote about their time in the resistance. Freddie coped by getting married and having babies. <laughs> she told Vice Netherlands in 2016, but the experience of war still caused her insomnia. In another interview, Freddie recalled seeing a person she'd shot fall to the ground and having the human impulse to want to help him. We did not feel this suited us, Truist told of their assassinations. It never suits anybody unless they're real criminals. Both women died at age 19, at age 92. Truist in 2016 and Freddie on September 5th, 2018. Oh, I'm sorry. So two days ago was the anniversary of her death. She didn't die two days ago. Throughout much of their long lives, the Netherlands failed to properly recognize the women's achievements and sidelined them as communists. Well, I'm not a com I'm no commie, but I'll celebrate you on No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. Thanks, ladies, for killing all them Nazis on your bikes as teenage girls. Now, let's end on Adam fucking Corolla. I was going to talk about Jim Gaffigan, but it does fit in. It's mainly like this. 
Somebody wrote me, aren't you glad Jim Gaffigan spoke out? You're always talking about how people should speak out. No, I don't care if comedians speak out about politics. Jim Gaffigan, who never talks about politics in his act, was just like going off on Trump in, on Twitter. Um, I don't care. Like, I don't care. I'm, I'm only asking male comedians to speak out about the rape culture in comedy and to pump up their female comedian friends. That's literally all I'm asking. I don't need them to speak out about politics. That's my problem. They all speak out about politics and then they leave the sisters in comedy to um, die slow career deaths at the hands of the sexism in our industry. But they're really good at recognizing like sexism in the world, you know. So yeah, good. If Jim, whatever he likes or doesn't like politically, if he wants to tweet about it, that's what Twitter's for. And if people are going to get upset, then and not see him perform anymore, then they're stupid because he's talking about Hot Pockets on stage and that uh, knows no party, right? So I don't know. I mean, I I lost half my fan base because I said shit about Bernie in my own spare time. And uh, these, you know, little, these little freaks couldn't handle it, even though I don't talk about it in my act. So bye to them. You know, I I don't, I don't, I, I can't take it anymore. I can't, I can't take all this scrutinizing every fucking thing a comedian says that's not in their act. Just shut up. Um, but not scrutinizing the rapist. I, I can't get into it. Okay, so Adam Carolla, this tweet that he tweeted was going around, even though it was from a month ago, where he's like, what happened to men? That's his whole thing. Because he had like a book years ago, like in 10 years, we're all going to be chicks. I guess he's so afraid. See, Adam Carolla, okay. He said, more men wear bracelets now than eat stew. So I don't know what the two have to do with each other. But uh, first of all, you know who wore a shit ton of jewelry? Bill Cosby. Was he a man? I mean, he was a rapist. Seems kind of manly in a weird way, even though it's cowardly and disgusting. But I'm just saying, for all intents and purposes, uh, I'm sure he's one of Adam's comedy heroes. He, he Bracelets, rings, all kinds of jewels. You know, and that's what I hate too. It's like whenever guys are like going off about something like, oh, it's bad to be you know, like, I'm an atheist. It's like, oh, okay, well, ask a black person about how important faith was in their life because, you know, like, we kind of brought them here on slave ships. Yeah. Um, yeah, ask people in the Holocaust, like, how they feel about faith. Like, yeah, no. Oh, oh, that's so good for you, um, middle-aged white guy who never had any um, trials and tribulations. Oh, good for you, Belmar. You're an atheist. That's so interesting. Tell me more. Let me open my legs. Get in there. Woo! But Adam Carolla, more, guys wearing, bra- what? If you can't wear a bracelet as a man because you think it makes you not masculine, you're not a fucking man. How many times? We have, what kind of bracelets is he talking about? Like tennis bra- Men have always worn some. You can wear a string around your wrist, like you're kind of like the hippie bracelet, like beads, hippie beads, you know, maybe you're a meditator, uh, you know, maybe a tennis bracelet with your name on it. Men have always worn jewelry. What are you talking, eating stew? Why is stew masculine? First of all, if Adam even knew about all of the like, if you go see a nutritionist these days, they're like bone broth, everybody eat lots of meat. And that's for their women clients, like, and as well as the men, like meat is like this catch all thing that like every nutritionist is going to tell you about. Like plenty of people are on hearty beef, bone broth, meat diets, you know, that aren't traditionally masculine, be they women or, (laughs) it's so stupid. So he's tweeting about, where are all the comedians? 
because his thing is coronavirus is a hoax and it's not really serious and we're all being sheep and pussies for wearing masks and why are not more comedians speaking out about this you know they should be more like Pryor and Carlin and it's like First of all, how about Lori Kilmartin, who's doing some of the edgiest work of her life? She live tweeted her mother's COVID death. She was not allowed to go near her mother as she died alone in a hospital from COVID. Her mother didn't believe COVID was real either, and she died of it. So that's much more edgy than a middle-aged white man going, where are the comedians? Well, you were never one of us, honey, Adam. Again, you're not a comedian. You're a man with a mouth. You've never been funny. You're angry. You're, you're watching the world pass you by and you're angry about it. Have some acceptance, babe. Get into Buddhism. Come on, reinvent yourself. Stop screaming about shit that isn't even real. You look like a pussy. You're afraid of men in bracelets? Oh my God, honey, honey, these teenage girls got on their bikes and shot Nazis. You're yelling about bracelets, my love. Honey, you need to lay down, sweetie. Yeah. I know, I know you're scared. But see, the reason you never had a career isn't because women and minorities are coming up now. It's because you were never interesting or funny. And you have no compassion. See, compassion is flexible. And you don't even have to be a certain political party. Because compassion and interest and change is flexible. And that's always kind of funny because you can see all sides. But when you're rigid, you're just sitting there yelling at the wall. Where are the comedians speaking out? Well, we all know people that have died and we all see people getting sick and we all know the science that, again, has no political party, which is that people can spread it even if they don't become sick themselves. And wearing a mask, I mean, have you ever seen a picture of a Navy SEAL going into combat? Have you ever seen soldiers from Desert Storm? Do you see the masks they got on? Wearing a mask, honey, you ever seen a surgeon, a brilliant surgeon going in for surgery wearing a mask? Yeah, masks. They prevent things from coming up and into our mouths and nose that can harm us, and they prevent us from doing harm. But I swear to God, Adams, I, I did like a fake stand-up video about this on Twitter where I was like pretending to be him. I swear to God he thinks a mask is a dress for your face. I swear to God he thinks it's feminine. When is he going to fucking just shut the fuck up? I don't, I don't have anything more articulate to say. But I know that I am not, you know, an old person yelling because I'm asking people to expand their creativity in their brains. I'm not saying teenagers today. They, they No, I'm saying, I don't know what I'm saying. I, I'm well over the hour, Mark. I, I just, it is right. Oh, so so many guys were like, don't bother with Adam Carolla. He's not worth your time. I'm like, don't tell me how to spend my fun time on Twitter. I was laughing my face off teasing him. And he is worth my time because it's five to 10 minutes. It's not an obsession. I'm not going down a rabbit hole drinking my own pee. I'm just tweeting. I'm so tired of even the good men trying to monitor. Don't do this. It's too much. Stop. Stop reading into so much emotion. I'm, I'm making fun of Adam, and it's good to make fun of him. We should be pushing him with torches out of our pond because he's not a fucking comedian. And him being like Carlin and Pryor, stop bringing up Carlin and Pryor. They're not on your side. They're not on anyone's side. They're on Carlin and Pryor's side. The biggest example of this was this 
crazy controversial concert that George Carlin did at the Hollywood Bowl that was like 74,000 gay men. It was like a gay rights thing. And he came out was like, F word this, F word that. Because he was like, where were you guys when black people were being killed in the streets? And fucking prior was bisexual, which was a curveball that nobody saw coming, you know, a few years after that. So it's like, whoa, like who knows what's up there, but you can't claim him on your side. He's on nobody's side. George Carlin is probably not on Adam Carolla's side because he was going off about Andrew Dice Clay on an episode of Larry King where he said, Andrew's got every right to say what he wants, but he attracts this boneheaded young white male type of audience member who is threatened by women, threatened by people of different races, and they want to keep everything for themselves. And so even if Andrew Dice Clay is joking, they're not getting the joke and they're getting riled up. I highly doubt that Carlin would be on Adam Carolla's side. But I can't say for sure because I'm not him. Carlin never voted, which I hate. I hate that quality in someone. So he's not on my side, even though I claim him for a lot of stuff. See, don't do this to comedians. And that's how you know Carolla isn't a real comedian because he's demanding once again that we look to dead people to somehow back up his opinion that he can't even back up himself. So there you go. Not a real comedian, a man with a mouth. I'm a fucking real comedian. I'm Jen Kirkman. This is my podcast, No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. Thank you all to my Patreon subscribers. You are paying my goddamn bills. And to you people listening to this for free, come on, get in there, get those wallets open. I'm doing a telethon. (laughs) Let's do this. Until next week, have fun. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.